Hello, I'm Felix and welcome to You Gotta Hack That, the podcast all about the security behind the Internet of Things. In this episode, I'm going to talk to you about continuous glucose monitors or GCMs. So at the beginning of this episode, I actually have to make a reference back to last episode. I made a bit of a mistake. One of my very kind listeners pointed out to me that I mispronounced one of the company names. So instead of it being Thales, like I pronounced it, it's actually Thales. And that's because it turns out that Thales is a French defense contractor. And uh, and you know you, you just pronounce things differently in French than in, in English. Sorry about that, Thales. All right, so on to today. GCMs, or glucose monitors, are little round devices usually that have a small needle in them and they uh, are stuck to the back of your arm onto the skin and the needle sticks into that little bit of, uh, of tissue just underneath the skin and it monitors the, the blood sugar levels in that area, in that bit of skin. Now, this is uh, a device that's been developed in order to help look after uh, people who suffer with diabetes. And it's it's a, a sort of a self-care thing, really, in many ways, because what you can do is you can scan those little devices and get a reading about what your current blood sugar level is. The idea is that the device can be connected to a smartphone or a standalone device and uh, the wearer can easily and regularly check their blood sugar levels and therefore be able to take action um, to, to give themselves insulin or to take some sugar or something uh, in order to, to maintain a, a safe range of uh, their blood sugar levels. These devices last for maybe a couple of weeks uh, and then they need replacing uh, and that's mostly owing to, to battery life. Um, but there's probably other factors there too, such as you know cleanliness and hygiene and, and that kind of thing. So why would anybody bother hacking into a CGM? Well, I guess there are versions out there that are integrated with insulin pumps. And, and so perhaps in those circumstances, the the kind of the prospect of hacking into a, a GCM is maybe a bit more serious. You can easily see how sending erroneous data from a CGM to a pump would potentially result in harm to the wearer because you get it to send too much insulin or something like that. For references about insulin pumps, we did a, an episode of that last week. So go back to last episode and hear about insulin pumps in their own right, because they have their own security posture, their own concerns really to go with it. But these devices happen to be quite nicely integratable with that. Here in the UK, there aren't that many that are integrated with that. That's kind of a more severe circumstance. Um, most of the time, what you have is two separate systems if you have an insulin pump at all. The other types of CGM, though, wouldn't have this like direct capability, um, and therefore you wouldn't be able to just you know, inject somebody with insulin without them knowing. I guess in theory, though, you could socially engineer the wearer to think that their blood sugar level was higher or lower, I guess, than it really was in order to trick them into injecting more insulin than is needed. This might be like a long-term tactic, but you could imagine quite comfortably that over time that you would potentially be able to get them to behave in a less than perfect manner and, and cause themselves some longer term harm rather than that instant dramatic faint on the floor. They've got a, a, a diabetic coma thing going on. I'd like to think though that 
the wearers of this wouldn't be so easily manipulated. Perhaps uh, an alternative way of achieving the same thing would be to do this gradually over time and uh, and do this really, really subtly so that you kind of gradually convince people that they need more and more insulin or something like that and therefore be able to uh, get that inaccuracy to a level which is uh, is detrimental. I think that's probably more likely than an extreme change or even just like that intermediate one is it's kind of gradually wearing away at the the capabilities the accuracy of these devices. I'm not sure how practical that is though given the fact that they only last a couple of weeks and and as we'll talk about later you have to be in quite close proximity to these things to have any influence over them. Aside from using them as part of an assassination toolkit, the attacks against these devices include invasion of privacy, uh, and that's because the data that is collected could be revealing in some way. I mean, it's blood sugar levels, so I don't know how sensitive people are really going to be over that, but in many ways, you think about it, and and maybe they would be because it's their medical information. It's a little bit difficult to, to tell, and I guess this is going to be quite different on the, you know, by person, by by wearer of this information. It may also be possible to identify the device at a bit of a range and therefore be able to track the wearer's movements. Now, there's there's all sorts of stories that have been knocking around for donkeys around shops tracking people by their Bluetooth IDs or their Wi-Fi beacons and that kind of thing and know, therefore, which part of the shop they went into. It's not that far-fetched to say the same could be true of wearing a, a CGM within a, a, a shop and, therefore, the shop owners know well a that this person probably has diabetes and b that they went to that particular part of the shop you know i could kind of imagine a, a scenario where uh, you've got a sweet shop and, and whenever they detect one of these devices going into the the shop an alarm goes off and says you're not allowed sweets get out i don't think that's going to happen but you know you could conceivably see that that was technically possible so how are these devices connected? Typically, they're connected using Bluetooth or NFC or near field communications. Uh, the types that use Bluetooth are capable of alerting the user of a blood sugar problem or integrating with an insulin pump to automatically administer that correct dose. The The reason for that is because it's able to transmit on its own accord what's going on it doesn't rely on the power from another device Um, it's not uh, that short range so it can do more its capabilities are greater the nfc based cgms work by the wearer scanning the device with their phone to get the current reading as well as a short period of historic data these devices can hold a few hours worth of data and therefore you can kind of go back a bit and see well actually when i had lunch did that cause me a problem or not Let's not forget that inevitably these devices connect to a cloud-based application of some description. Though at first glance, the benefits of cloud-based systems for CGMs seems a bit unnecessary. Why not just deliver the data to the user's smartphone and store it locally? Why does it have to be a big company that collects that data and then probably does some analysis about it? If I'm honest, though, that starts to be a totally different subject. And today, at least, I'm not going to get on that soapbox. I'll let you guys discuss that one. I'm going to start thinking about what the vulnerabilities in these devices might well be now. Um, Like all technology, Bluetooth and NFC can be implemented badly. So today, let's look at NFC. There are three modes. There's card emulation for when you want to uh, emulate a card, basically. So get your device to pretend it's an RFID card. Uh, And that's great if you're using like 
uh, your smartphone to be your your debit card, or perhaps you want it to be uh, your gym access card, or something like that. But it's it's pretending to be an RFID card. You can have it in reader writer mode for when you are setting up a device or other like pairing type activities. And then you've got peer mode, which is for all of those other use cases, like transferring data between two smartphones, you know, sending a contact or a photo or something like that. The NFC stack itself has four layers. So this is the communication stack. From the bottom up, they are physical, media access control, logical link control, and the application layers. Now, those are probably quite familiar sounding because they also exist within the the seven-layer Aussie model, OSI model. NFC data messages use something called NDEF or NDEF, which stands for NFC Data Exchange Format. Uh, Each NFC message consists of one or more records, and each of those records has a header and a payload. The header is pretty simple, as it contains uh, an ID, a record length, and a record type. It's designed for use over a distance of a few centimetres, but it is possible to elicit data from devices over a bigger range. Depending on the circumstances, this might be, say, I don't know, 20 centimetres or so. But interestingly, it is possible to sniff traffic already and legitimately being communicated over bigger distances still. Some researchers claim that 10 metres is possible, which is actually quite a long way when you think about it. Theoretically, it is also possible to manipulate that data being transmitted as well as being able to to just listen to it. But being able to edit it in real time uh, between two devices that are probably closer to each other than you are um, and doing it for both sides of the communication is quite difficult. You know, the laws of physics kind of kicks in quite quickly here, but even just having the processing power to be able to do that is, is pretty intense. And this is increasingly a problem as you get further away from the devices that are doing communication. You might have noticed when I described the the message structure that there wasn't any provision for authentication or encryption. That's because the base protocol doesn't actually have any. Instead, these features are completed in the payload or application layer, if at all. Unfortunately, this does not encourage developers to implement good practices, and NFC communication is often unencrypted. This is the case for quite a few CGM devices. Really interestingly, though, there is a project called Night Scout, which is a community-driven software package to integrate with CGMs. This project was developed by parents uh, who clearly had some coding abilities, but they wanted to be able to gain better insight into the uh, blood sugar levels of their children. And uh, and so it kind of took off, really. I think it's now become much broader than that, and it's, it's certainly not just for children now. This project has many different integrations with a variety of CGMs and it enables the users to upload their data to a cloud service or their own web application, so their own hosted cloud service. Presumably, this project is only possible because of the poor security in place on CGMs, or at least the poor communication security. This project is still being actively contributed to, which is great to see. It really goes to show as well that the original spirit of hacking still exists, that spirit of let's get technology to do something more than it was originally designed for, not the current way of thinking about hacking, which is let's break in and and make disruption and, and charge people Bitcoin for unencrypting their data. 
There's also other ways that you might well, in theory, be able to influence uh, one of these CGM devices, but they're limited to sort of physical attacks, really. You know, there's there's no reason why you wouldn't be able to connect to like a UART or a, a JTAG interface and therefore be able to change the firmware on there. But being practical about it, these devices are so short-lived and they're, um, they're, they're, you know, the physical access, you'd actually have to touch the person that's wearing it or get access to it before it was worn to be able to have that influence. And the benefits here are, are probably not that great. The only thing I can think of is where you have some form of grand supply chain attack where you actually edit the the firmware on these devices uh, and then they get shipped out to lots and lots of people. That makes it a far less targeted thing and, and much broader. And I'm not sure that that would be particularly uh, viable from a like an economics point of view. The cost of doing such an attack would far outweigh what you could benefit from doing here. And that's because these devices live for such a short period of time. It's not like they're going to be embedded into someone's skin for you know 10 years or something where you could really see that that might actually have some benefits there. As it's two weeks, I just don't think that's going to happen. So what do I think? Well, it's arguable that the cybersecurity requirements of CGMs is fairly low. After all, the devices last a couple of weeks, and during that time, they only transmit blood sugar readings. It isn't particularly sensitive data, albeit it is medical data, and that has its own special legal category. But it doesn't have a name attached to that. It's not like it's, uh, you know, Felix's uh, blood sugar levels are, are really high right now. It's just this ID, this blood sugar level. And that's it. Um, and, and so you can kind of see why, well, that's, that's pretty anonymous data. It's not that exciting. It's only when you get to connect that to a person where it becomes sensitive at all. And it's also not like diabetes has any particular like stigma to it, or at least none that I'm aware of. That said, it isn't that simple. If these devices can be manipulated to adversely influence the user or a pump and induce an insulin overdose, that would be you know really bad. I also think that someone with diabetes certainly is more at risk not having one of these devices if they're advised to wear one than from a cyber attack. Let's be honest, the chances of it being useful to a person to make sure that their health is well looked after is is really likely. That's what they're designed for. The chances of someone manipulating this from everything I've said today is, is so low uh, that it's, it's just not that likely. The real risk is where you combine these devices with an insulin pump and have automated dosing there. That then becomes quite a scary prospect. Thank you for listening today. I hope you have enjoyed the show. Please give the show a rating or review in your podcast app. Tweet about it, post it somewhere, stick it on LinkedIn. We would really appreciate it. To talk to us about any aspect of the show, suggest a future topic, or to ask a question about IoT security, please get in touch via email on helpme at yg.ht with at gotta underscore hack via Twitter or by searching you gotta hack that on LinkedIn. Thank you.